Being Green is brought to you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Linus Crook, thanks for joining me. Obvious you might say, but I'd never really thought about why the Cedarberg was called that, until recently that is, when I read an article about a program to increase the number of its tree namesake in the area. I learned that there were once large groves of the ancient Clan William Cedar in the region, and that this majestic tree is found only in the Cedarberg and has been listed as critically endangered since 2013. Well, I'm joined now by Jacqueline Farmer, Conservation Officer Off Reserve at Cape Nature. Jacqueline, thanks for joining us. Why are these trees so special? Okay, so Glenda, these trees are very special because they are very old and ancient and they survived the last ice age, which ended about 25,000 years ago. But some of these trees also, they already developed about 200 million years ago and they survived very cold conditions and also very snowy conditions. So that is why they are so special. But why has their population been so decimated then and, and how many of them are left in the Cedarberg? Yes, so the main threat was the overuse of these cedar trees. So historically they were used to build ships, their wood is very great and also poles and furniture. So they were extremely overused and there's about today between 13,000 and 15,000 trees left. I believe that in the region there are telephone poles all over the place that are made from these trees. Yes, these are very hardy wood that, and they hold for very long. But that area has been protected for years and that was an old threat. So what threats are they facing today? Yes, so today it's more, it's not the overuse anymore today because the use was stopped of the cedar trees. Today it's more related to climate change and fire frequencies and the decrease in rainfall. So the fires are happening more frequently, which in the past it wasn't happening that frequently. And the fire will kill the tree, so they actually don't re-sprout after the tree. So the increase in the frequency of the fires has obviously killed a lot of these trees, which comes with climate change. I was surprised to learn that, that they don't re-sprout after fires, because one tends to think of that area as being fainboss, and fainboss, they always say, improves after a fire. It actually does. Fainboss does um, re-sprout, but this tree, only the seeds will germinate, but the tree itself, it is killed by a fire, so it doesn't re-sprout. So why are these trees so important to the region's biodiversity? If I'm not mistaken, I think they're the only tree that can be found in that region. Yes. So these trees are very important other than being ancient and historical. They provide a service to the small rabbits and the rodents because they live in these trees. And then also your birds, they have a lot of nests in these trees. So obviously, if the trees are gone, then the shelter and the, for these animals are gone also. And they are the only trees in the region? Uh, there are other trees also, but the, those are the ones that they grow much more easier in the area. So these trees are the only ones that grow so slowly. Efforts to conserve them have been going on for quite some time now. Why is it so difficult to bring these trees back to the region? So in terms of conservation of the trees, there's a lot of efforts gone into replanting seeds. But like I mentioned, with the fires happening much earlier and in shorter time frames, 
the trees that has been replanted in the wild that has, have actually been destroyed by fires. So these trees only become seed-bearing when they are about 15 years old. So the seeds that it produces will only re-sprout if the tree is 15 years or older. So if the tree is actually destroyed by a fire before that time, then the whole trees and all the trees that is younger than 15 years will be destroyed with their seeds. Oh dear. Now tell me about the Heuning Flay Seedling Nursery. There's also an A Seed Project and the other ways that you're trying to bring them back. Yes, so the Heuning Flay Nursery Project was funding that was received and the community themselves identified the need for a nursery to be built there. And that is what happened. The community themselves built the nursery for the seeded seedlings to be planted and to be grown until they are big enough to be replanted into the wild. So that was a very successful project which the community now leads. And we hope that it can contribute to the conservation of these trees. Yes, then it's also the ACID project which was now again led by the landowners in the area. And this is where they are trying to use seed pods that is carried by drones actually to the locations in the mountains where the trees can grow best. So that is also a pilot stage where they are taking the drones, using the drones to take the seeds into the mountains and then drop them there to um, to germinate on their own. Well, let's hope that some of those projects have a huge success. Thanks to Jacqueline Farmer, Conservation Officer Off-Reserve at Cape Nature, in charge of overseeing the Hyunung Flay Cedar Seedling Project. And that's it for this week from Eglin's Crook. Take care and goodbye. Being Green was brought to you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Ask not what your community can do for you. Ask what you can do for your community. At Remax Living Real Estate, our ethos is built on giving back. From sponsoring music broadcasts to FMR's Being Green, our focus is on making your world more harmonious and our planet more sustainable. So when it comes to choosing a real estate partner, don't go for anything less than people who are maximum givers. Galinda Moser from Remax Living Real Estate.